This podcast was brought to you by the Tampa Bay Podcast Network. Turn up the volume nice and loud. Because we are controlling transmissions with dance beats and R&B. You're in the mix with Lil Drummer Girl. With your host, Dawn Marie. Hey, 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 it's Dawn Marie Mutel. Welcome back to another episode of The Little Drummer Girl. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for joining us. Fabiana Kleur is here with us today. She helps create financial and artistic prosperity for musicians so that they can win back their time and build a legacy without sacrificing their quality of life. I'm all for that, so I can't wait to hear what she's going to tell us today. And as a concert pianist, university educator, entrepreneur, and business coach for musicians, Fabiana has helped thousands of musicians create new income. So who doesn't want new income, right? I know I do. And she has done so many different things in the industry. And we have so much to learn from her because, you know, having a business in the music industry, it's really multifaceted. There's just so many different areas of it. And I want her to come on and show you how you can turn your music into a business so that you can keep pursuing it and making money with it and thriving in it. Because there's nothing worse than doing what you love and not making money with it, right? I know only too well, I've been there a million times where, you know, I'm doing, 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 but I'm not seeing the the money flow in. And I don't want that to happen with you. I want you to be able to like fly, spread your wings and take off. So let's get Fabiana on with us right now. Hey, Fabiana, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to have you because I want to pick your brain. You have such a wealth of information. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Marie. I'm excited for this conversation. Your background is so varied and it's so intense. And I don't even know where to begin, but I'm, I'm going to try to pick your brain as quickly as I can and get the most out of you so that our listeners and viewers today can really absorb, you know, being in the creative world. There's so many aspects to it, right? I mean... We have to do this. We have to do that. There's a million things you have to do, even for just one thing. If you want to just do a show, right? You want to just have a band. How can musicians have a sustainable income? Are there some things that they can do to really hone in and say, you know, let's get serious with this and try to find ways that they can survive in this industry? Absolutely. You know, this is one of my favorite topics to discuss because it usually comes as a surprise when I share what I think is the best way for musicians to create a sustainable income. And that is by building an online brand, by creating an online presence, showing all of the things that they have to offer and combining it into one way of serving people through some sort of a consulting or a coaching, some sort of a mentorship structure where people can use all of their skills in music Uh, and and experiences outside of music and just access them because of the brand that they've developed. I think for musicians and creatives alike, this is the best way to allow people to access your brilliance, to pay premium prices, to be able to have that experience, that expertise given to them, and to give you the freedom to scale uh, and and to be able to have time for your creative pursuits, for your craft, and not depending on how much time you are specifically on stage versus how much time you are working with a one-on-one student. No, it's building an online brand, combining all of your skills and allowing the world to access that in one sort of, you know, either a coaching system, a consulting, something like that. 
love that. Would what would you say would be a, um, if they wanted to start building their brand? What are the couple of things that they can do to immediately start to do that, implement that into their business? The number one thing is to understand the power of storytelling. People are going to come to you, not just because you're really good at what you do, but because of who you are and your journey, that the journey that has brought you to where you are. So understanding the power of your story and allowing that to become your unique differentiator is the first step. Sometimes we take the things we've overcome for granted. We think, oh, well, you know, I, it's not a big deal. I just did this. I did that in my life. And, you know, I was able to overcome this, overcome that. And it turns out that the things we've developed are actually our greatest superpowers. This is what it draws people to us. Yes, we can be great performers. We can be educators. We can be creators. But ultimately, what draws people to us is, is the human being behind the, the gifts, the skills. And tapping into that is the first step in developing a strong brand. I'm so glad you said that because it is true. We do take these things for granted when, you know, you may have done all these amazing things that you had to overcome. And because you did get through it, it's just like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, you know, it was tough. But but really, people who have gone through it, they don't realize like how much it took to get them through it. You know, it's like, because once it's over and it's in the past, things get a little bit like, oh yeah, it was, it was tough, but it's some of them really grueling. Right. So I love that storytelling is so important. Um, Do you have any suggestions? I know there's like classes out there to learn how to tell stories and become a better storyteller. Do you have any tips on storytelling? What I like to recommend in terms of starting point is I have a process that I use in the coaching that I do with musicians, which is creating your declaration of awesomeness. It's like a 10-step you know, list where you just highlight the 10 things about you that you're the most proud of, that had that have created your, you know, your approach towards life, that has have impacted the way you you face obstacles. And so to just list them out very objectively and then to look from those 10 things, which are the ones that you feel most excited about using to help other people experience some sort of a transformation. To identify now with this list, you can look into your story, into your journey, and to look at the moment in your story where there was a turning point. Because there's obviously nuances and ups and downs in our journey. But when you're trying to to connect your story to your brand and to your business, you want to be very intentional in looking for the turning point in your story. The key moment that gave you a new breakthrough, a new insight, a new level of awareness that you didn't have before and that you now feel motivated to share with others because it helped you. The other thing about your story is that it doesn't always have to mean that you dealt with this problem. It can be that perhaps you've been very experienced in helping others overcome that. You've worked with many people in this way. You've you've seen the transformation that you can help them achieve and you've witnessed what happens when you just give a little bit of your suggestions and guidance to others. And so that is part of your story too. And you can use that as the key like credibility marker, so to speak, you know, to, to feel compelled to say, like, I want to talk about what I'm doing now. uh, And and in the context of my previous experiences, and here's how my experiences have, have brought me to where I am now. You see a lot of my clients, when they, when they start working with me, obviously they want to build a business. They want to combine all of their skills into you know, this unified sense of identity, which is our musician's profit umbrella that I call it, right? Which is basically to unite all of your skills into one offer. 
the first place to start is your story. Because why are you interested in this offer in the first place? Well, it's probably because you've had a story around that. Either you've dealt with it or you've helped others deal with it. So it's about looking for those connection points between your super strengths, what people really need, and how the moment in your story brought you to where you are now. I love that. That that is wonderful because we do have to start somewhere. We all have a starting point, and like you say, that you know we've all done so many things, and even from some jobs that I think that people might have might have had, like you say, they may have been helping other people. They might have worked in hospitals or might have worked in different side jobs and things like that. They can also share those experiences. I think is important as well. Burnout is one of the hardest things to overcome. I've, I've, I myself have burnt out my adrenaline glands uh, just from working 80 hours a week when I worked in the music business. And so do you have any suggestions on how they can avoid burnout and still be able to be successful in their business? Yeah. You know, this is something that is, is not a side topic to building a business. It's actually the most important part of it. Here's what happens. We tend to see the topic of self-care as a, as, as a something that's like, an afterthought, something we get to attend once we've taken care of business, right? It's very typical for us to seek that immediate gratification that working on our careers gives us in terms of, you know, we write a book, we get the book out there, the market, or we prepare a concert and we we go out, we show on stage and we and we see the results of that concert that we've been preparing. Or we, you know, we create a program and then we enroll clients in the program. And we're always drawn to the things that we feel we can see the rewards fastest. However, when it comes to self-care, we don't see the results of sleeping eight hours a day over the course of five years. We don't see those things happen quickly, tangibly. It's something that accumulates over time, right? We don't see the results of, of walking out every day or going to the gym quickly. Those things take time. So because of that, and because it's also we're responding to ourselves instead of to others. It's much easier to show up when you have a meeting with someone, you're going to show up. But when you don't go to the gym, no one is going to see that you didn't go. You're the only one that doesn't see that. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. We tend to put ourselves last for a variety of reasons, right? And so the solution that I've always thought and that I'm actually always trying to keep myself accountable because this is a journey, right? The solution is to first of all, establish accountability for our personal goals, meaning not just to say, starting today, I'm going to eat healthy every day. Yes, but how are you going to make sure you're actually following through on this thing you just decided? Or started today, I'm going to go to bed every day. How are you going to follow through? How are you going to keep yourself accountable? So I always think the first step in, in, in creating self-care habits is looking for measures of accountability, meaning Having someone to report back to, whether it's your friend, whether it's your spouse, but committing to someone and having that person hold your hand, hold you accountable. Even if it's just like a daily text to say, yep, today I went to bed as I, as I have planned, whatever that time is that you're deciding, you know, no longer going to you know, stay up late, for example, and someone you can just report back to, or even if it's just a, a chart that you can track and everything that you like make an intention of of measuring the, whether or not you're taking care of this thing is the only way <laughs> that you're actually going to really stick to it. Otherwise, we tend to make these declarations, New Year's resolutions, I'm going to do this. And after a week, oh, everybody falls. <laughs> so Does that make sense? So that's the first so step. True. Set accountability for yourself, whether it's working with a mentor, getting yourself a coach, establishing some sort of a tracking system, 
committing to a family member or a friend and having them check in on you, find that we all need that, especially for the areas of our lives that we usually don't have accountability. Like if you have a meeting with a client, you're going to show up, right? So it's about how do you create that same like accountability for the things that no one really usually watches in your life? Because that's how you prevent yourself. One, one way of preventing burnout. Another way is setting boundaries. We have a hard time saying no. It's so hard to say no. I know it is, right? Especially if you're a people pleaser. You know, you want to be able to help everybody do everything and be everywhere. Being able to say no and to be okay with saying, this is my loving. I'm loving myself when I'm saying no to other things that are not in my best interest. I'm showing myself self-love and recognizing that self-care is about self-love. And when we put other people in front of us and put always their needs ahead of ours, whether it's our family, whether it's our kids, whether it's our uh, clients, whether it's our students, in a way, we're not loving ourselves enough. We're not feeling that we deserve that enough. And so it's it's coming to the realization that self-care is really about self-love and that by you lovingly putting boundaries, you're loving yourself and you need to love yourself. Thank you for saying that because boundaries are so key. I'm, I have been having trouble with that myself. Like I'll find I'm good with it for a moment. And then all of a sudden I start to like fall off the wagon and I, how did I do that again? You know? So it's true. I used to do uh, like a, a calendar and I would just block time, you know, just say, you know what, this is my morning time for myself. Do you find that morning times are like really precious because it's quiet? It's not the hustle and bustle is not up yet. And even though people may be working in the evening, it's kind of hard for them to be up in the mornings per se. But even if they, I feel like you just get up, have a uh, you know some water, sit up and watch the sunrise or whatever, you can go back to sleep in for another couple hours. But having a few moments of like that quiet, still time. Um, I always say journaling is also another great thing to do is like take out the book and start writing down, you know, gratitude. Thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Try to change it up every day and not be thankful for the same exact things, which makes it even more tough. But yes, I think self-care is so important, especially because if you are a parent or if you have, like you say, you have students that you're taking care of or you have your clients that you're coaching, for sure, you want to make sure that you are taking at least an hour for yourself every day <laughs> so that maybe it's 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes in the evening at the end of the day where you can just relax, decompress and do something good for yourself. And I love the fact that you talk about working out and all that, because I find, you know, when you work out, you release the stress from the body and you also get really creative. I find when I'm working out, I come up with some great ideas and I'm like, Oh, write that down, you know? So, but people do have to get the accountability for sure, because I know how easy it is to just say, Oh yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then it just doesn't get done. That's why sometimes I'll tell my sister, because I know if I don't do it, she'll be like, Oh, did you ever do that thing? <laughs> it's like, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. It's like, yep. Friendly yep. accountability, loving yeah. accountability, right? Exactly. No pressure, but yes, accountability. For sure. Uh, so how can they integrate their artistic dreams into their businesses while they're actually, you know, doing because they may have separate businesses, right? They may have stuff that's uh, on stage and that's what they do, but then they may also be doing some programs and teaching. So how can they still create and feel artistic while they're doing those kind of things that they're not like, say, performing per se? 
I love that question. Here's what I've discovered from many years of struggling with that myself. For many years, I was so consumed by running my music school, running it remotely. As you know, you know, we have a music school that we ran initially in person for five years at Brick and Mortar Music Academy in Miami, Florida. And then we moved to Texas. When I came and built the music business program here at the University of North Texas, we were running it remotely. So it was a lot to handle, you know, running a business remotely, creating a university program. I had two, two sons, young children. My performing side took a back seat. I just didn't understand and I didn't find the reason to, to sit at the piano and practice especially if I didn't have like a concert at that time, right? It felt like a luxury. And so obviously what happens when we, when we consider things a luxury, like self-care, like practicing, what happens? They get put on the back burner. You know, it, it took me a step of really hitting a low point in my career of feeling that I was just like a part of me was dead, you know, even though all of my education was all around music. I had a doctorate degree in piano performance all my life. I had been a pianist. I was feeling like part of me was dead. And so I had to really take a step back and look at how can I more, more intentionally integrate my artistry into my business and everything that I'm building. And it took me to kind of hit that rock bottom point to, to realize by uniting all of my skills and building an online brand, guess what? My performing side is part of that brand. Therefore, if I'm going to build a brand and I'm going to become this category of one in the industry as it relates to a musician who coaches other musicians, then guess what? I need to be a musician. I need to be active. I need to be playing and performing and practicing, but not just because of have this concert or that concert, but because it's part of my business now. It's part of the way I build my credibility. It's part of the way I model what it's like to be an active musician for my clients. So for me, the best way that creatives and musicians can integrate their artistry into their business is by creating that online brand again, coming back to that idea and looking at how this artist artistic side that they've cultivated can feed into that and build their credibility for the work that they're doing, helping others. That's the secret sauce that I discovered and has helped me be able to bring back my artistry, my creative side, even though I work, you know, as a business strategist for musicians, I was playing a concert in February in the Charleston International Piano Series, and it felt great to be able to go and play on stage and be, be a musician, you know, and, and do the right. things while at the same time not depend on that as my income, right? Have a solid online business that allows me to serve musicians all around the world and scale and grow and, and have my freedom and flexibility on my own terms. That is fantastic. And, and I really love that so much because... It's true. I think we we get so tied up with everything, all the minutiae sometimes of the business. And it is very, you know, tedious. And sometimes it's not the fun stuff. It's the, all the, you know, things that we don't want to do that we have to do unless we have money that we could just, you know, budgets that <laughs> we could hire everybody else to do. But most times we don't have that. Right. So we wind up doing it ourselves. And like you say, um, keeping the musician in you alive because it will help you build on so many other things. What are some ways that you can say they would be able to create additional income from, from what they do besides performing? I know you talked about creating the brand, but are there other things that they can do? Do you think that teaching and creating courses online, and, and it's just a great thing to do right now. I know it's pretty popular right now with online courses. 
Well, here's what I'm going to say about online courses. I have I have a different approach to creating an online way of people to work with you, an, an online way to help. Help. I believe the quickest and the best way for musicians to make money is by creating online programs, not courses. And what's the difference? Well, what I think the benefit of creating an online program is, is that you can make it a very high touch experience for your clients where there is a combination of pre-recorded material, like in a course, but there's also the hand-holding, the one-on-one support, the, the guidance, the, the high level of personalization of the materials that allows you to really add value and elevate the price point because of that high touch component that only a high ticket program provides. When we look at low ticket courses and pre-recorded things, they are really good for when you already have an established brand, already have a machinery behind you. You're widely recognized. You have a large following and you can afford to just put out little bits of your brilliance on a pre-recorded course and just sell that for very cheap because it can sell in mass scale. But when you're just starting, it's actually easier to package your skills into some sort of an online program where there's a combination of teaching what you're trying to get people to learn and also coaching and helping and guiding them, whether you're teaching them music, whether you're teaching them how to build concerts, how to create concert opportunities for themselves, whether you're teaching them how to produce music, whatever it is that you're teaching people to do to combine the pre-recorded elements with the live touch, the live touch. And so in doing that, you can really charge premium rates because it's really a unique experience and people who already know you and trust you and are in your world, which is the way most musicians, at least most of my clients have been able to successfully start their high ticket music businesses are going to come to you and they're going to be willing to pay whatever you need them to pay because of that unique opportunity to transform them. You're not just giving them information like a course would. What does a course do? A course gives you information. But we all know that people who buy low ticket courses end up leaving 80% of it not watched. 80% of people don't, yeah. don't even complete it when yeah. they pay little money, when they're just like, it's just ends up in a cemetery of courses. However, when you build a high touch program that includes this personalization at a premium price point, people show up and invest and commit to getting results because they have higher stakes in the game. You know what I mean? I do, because actually you just made me think about something, uh, even though it's totally different, but um, I remember trying to quit smoking cigarettes years ago and it was having such a hard time. And then they came out with this laser thing and I thought, okay, $400. And I'm like, oh, you know, okay, fine. It's probably not going to work. I'll do it anyway. So I wind up doing it and I didn't want to smoke. I had lunch. I didn't want to smoke. I was I had a fight with my boyfriend. Didn't want to smoke. I had a glass of wine. Didn't want to smoke. And I'm thinking, okay, did they do a lobotomy on me or something? <laughs> but then I wind up doing it uh, for my for my boyfriend at the time, my fiance, and as a gift for him to stop smoking. But I paid for it, and it didn't work for him. And I think it's because he didn't put the investment into it himself, so it didn't work. But I, it, that's to me like a similar uh, situation where if you put the money and the time into it, then you're going to get rewards back. But if you don't, it's going to be like, well, you know, it was it was just like you say, it was just a low figure. I didn't spend a lot of money. So if I didn't finish it, no big deal. And I think that's why a lot of people fail at different things, because they're not really taking the time to invest in it. And sometimes it does 
take money and a, and a higher ticket price to really realize like this is something serious that you really need to do. You really want it. It's like how bad do you want it, right? And how hungry are you for it? So I love that. When That's- you're providing value, when you're really providing value and you're offering a pro- an opportunity for people to really get the transformation and you know how to package it and position it strategically, right? That's Where you're true. not just saying, I'm going to teach you how to play the piano and we're going to meet once a week for infinity, I guess. I mean, there's no real outcome described. There's no real tangible result that you can describe. People just are just like in this constant stage. But when you create a high ticket offer and you follow, this is something that in the work I do, I really walk musicians through kind of how to describe what you do strategically, how to position it based on the result that you help provide versus just the process, you can actually price and link and, and, and price it based on that result and what people really, how people value the result, right? It's not the same if you're, let's say, a personal trainer to say, we're going to meet once a week, you know, to help you lose weight versus saying, work with me for, you know, six months and you can, you know, look forward into fitting once again into your skinny jeans and feeling like a million <laughs> You know what I mean? Right, Who will pay for that result that you're making them realize? I want this result. I don't care how often I meet with you, whether it's once a week. I want the result. So in music, and what I love helping musicians do is really understand how to talk about the work they do and the way people can work with them based on a specific result. How long of a program do you start? Do you have different uh, time slots that they can do? Like it's a it's a couple months or it's a year program. You break it up yeah, so so I what I recommend my clients create, and this has been something that my clients have really had a lot of success in. I recommend usually a six month program to start off when you're just creating your first offer. I think a six month program is a perfect time um, because it gives you a chance to test things out in real time, and then from there you can expand. If you do something shorter than six months, it's harder because then you have to be recruiting all the time and bringing in new people all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I have had clients that work with me and they package their skills. They create, let's say a $5,000 offer for a six month program. People work with them either one-on-one or in group and they they'll come in and they'll brand themselves. They'll understand how to package everything, create a very solid brand, position themselves in the marketplace, really as a category of one, understand what it is that they do and how can they, how can they uniquely talk about what they do based on the combination of all of their skills and experiences, but in, in a very concise way. And so with that, they create an offer. They invite the people usually around their world who are the people who are like closer to them, trust them already, have built that relationship. People just sign up and they start working with my clients. I had a client who just created her first high ticket program in three months, made $25,000. And in six months, she crossed $100,000 just because she decided she was no longer going to be teaching cello one-to-one lessons and, you know, with small groups for low ticket or she had low ticket courses. We revamped the whole thing. We helped her turn it into a high-end offer. And in three months, she was making 25 grand and in, you know, six months over six figures. So that's That's the type of thing that we help musicians do. That is so impressive because who doesn't want an extra hundred thousand dollars in their pocket? (laughs) Hello, I will. Thank you. (laughs) Are they spending like say an hour a week with them online or because I'm sure they they get clients from all over the place and like a Q and a kind of a thing uh, if it's group coaching or if it's uh, individual coaching or do they have them do um, 
like homework assignments, they come back to them uh, so that they actually, again, the accountability is there, they're learning and they, the, the instructor can actually see where they're, where they stand. Yeah. Uh, in the their first program. thing that we do is help them structure this program so that it aligns with their particular goals for their life. Because you see, most of the times musicians that come to me are very burned out. They're overworked. They've given away all their time and they have no time. So the first thing is to realize how can we provide transformation for our clients in a way that doesn't depend only on our time face-to-face interacting with them. So we look at the leverage. How can we leverage our teaching curriculum? And so we look at opportunities for pre-recorded trainings. We look at one-to-one interactions. We look at group support. And it varies depending on the program, right? So, you know, for example, my client Marcy, who was the one that made six figures in six months, She packaged her students where she met with them like once a week in a group setting. And then she had a once a month, one-on-one. And then she had a Facebook group where she could connect with them daily and support them. And this is how she really described the value of what she was doing. She said, you know, if we just meet once a week for one hour, you spend six days reinforcing bad habits because there's no one there to hold your hand and show you the way versus in my program, right? And it's all about positioning it and showing students what the value is in my program we'll have a once a week kind of masterclass session in groups, but then you'll also have a chance every single day to post questions in the group and get support from me and my team. And you can also send me a weekly video recording and I'll give you feedback on that. And then we'll also have once a month, one-on-one session and we'll have guest speakers and we'll have extra technique-based workshops. And we'll have all these things that you can leverage the internet to create a beautiful experience and charge premium prices for it. Cause it's unlike anything they've ever had before. That is wonderful. That is just amazing. I I love it. And I'm all for it. Um, Especially because we have the internet these days where we can do something, you know, like this right now. And it's just, to me, it's so amazing because so many years ago when we would do like video conferences, it was like, it was like jumping through hoops to try to get a video conference call together, you know? So it's have it in your home, on your home computer, you know, uh, and most, most families have a home computer today. So that's like not an issue. And even if you didn't, you can still use your phone and it's just amazing to me. Anyone can create an online business these days. There's zero barrier to entry, right? Absolutely. That's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Why? Because there's a lot of saturation in the market of everybody wanting to call everyone's attention. So the reason why I'm so passionate about the musician's profit umbrella philosophy, which is about don't see yourself as five different people doing five different things. Look at the common thread that unites all of those interests that you've created that unites this expertise and create one program, one offer that uses all of the skills and one brand that people can connect you and associate you with like, oh, this is what you're really specialist at. This is what you do. I get it. While everyone else is talking about five different things that they can do, if you become a category of one and understand how to position, and this is something that I help musicians do all the time. It's like, yes, you do 10 things. Let's get, let's figure out how to condense it into one message, one positioning statement, so that when you stand out and you share your value, you're trying to attract clients, they know exactly what you're about, right? That's so important. Yes. And, and I agree because, um, I mean, I think that's why I have created two different podcasts, for instance, because one side of me is the musician and the artistic and all that stuff. But then there's the other side of me, that's the fashion stylist and the, you know, life coach and, and self-care coach. So it's like, 
I couldn't do it to the little drummer girl because it just didn't fit. So I was like, okay, well, I didn't want to cut my arm off and feel and have the other side of me. So branching it into two, which was just more work for me. But hey, it's like, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes they won't fit in the same thing. So you may have to branch it into two different things, depending on what it is that you're teaching. But I like having it. I wish I could just make it into one, actually. it would. Be, oh, I'm sure you be, can. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have to pick your brain on that one. <laughs> I'm sure you can. The thing is this, you know, uh, sometimes we don't understand how it's possible. And that's actually when we see ourselves as like, ultimately, even though you're really good in all these different areas, if you think about it, what draws people ultimately to you is your story, right? It's it's your person, it's your humanity. And that's the common thing that helps kind of put it all together at the end of the day. So when you think about it from that lens, you realize that you have plenty of opportunities to condense the different areas of your life and to really help people see who don't, you know, who you are over all these different interests and over all these different endeavors and ventures that you've had, what's the bigger version of you? What's the united sense of identity? You know what I mean? And it's a beautiful process. Thank you. I have to sit there and think on that for a little while. But, you know, they always say, oh, uh, what is that? Uh, jack of all trades, master of none. And I'm like, well, I'm jack of all trades, master of some. <laughs> <It's> like, so, <laughs> because when you are an entrepreneur, when you do have your own businesses, you do have to wear all the different hats yourself. Absolutely. You get good at doing things that you normally wouldn't want to do, have to do, but because you had to do them, you get good at it. And you're like, oh, didn't even know I had that skill, like accounting. I hate accounting. I hate numbers, but yet (laughs) I'm good at it. And I'm like, why am I good at something I hate? You know? So um, (laughs) (laughs) it's just like, but then again, you know, in, in music, everything is, is mathematical anyway. So, uh, you know, balancing books. I remember uh, one time working for a real estate developer back in, you know, in the eighties and uh, they had me doing the bookkeeping and I'm like, well, I'm not a bookkeeper. He goes, Oh, we'll teach you. We'll send you to school, blah, blah, blah. So they send me to Baruch college and I'm taking this night course on it. And, and then I'm short a penny. And my boss was like, well, you know, you got to balance the books to the penny. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I wound up having to go like seven years back to find the penny in this. And I was like, okay, this is why I don't like numbers. This is why I don't want to do math. But, um, and and those little things can make you really good later in life because the training you had and something that you didn't even know that you had to do uh, can help you in your business. And I know as musicians and creatives, Business is usually the last thing on their mind because you want to do all the creative stuff. So do you offer ways on how they can become better businessmen as well? Yeah. You know, I actually like drawing parallels between being a musician and being an entrepreneur. I think there's a lot of things that we develop in terms of, of, of skills in music that are easily transferable to the business world. And once we start discovering how many parallels exist between music and business, we become easier at the transition. We don't see it as something foreign. We embrace it more welcoming. I remember the first time I started learning about business, I realized I had never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. Yet looking back at all of the things that I had created in my life and how how entrepreneurial I had acted and built festivals and created things, I realized, oh, I guess I was an entrepreneur. I just didn't know it. I just didn't define it. So I actually think musicians are naturally entrepreneurial just for the very nature of what we do day in and day out. What do we do? We create. 
we showcase it. We present it to people. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but we go anyway and we stand on stage and we do it. And then when sometimes things go wrong and we have to adapt in real time and improvise and just make it work without a chance to get to say, never mind, I'll start over. We just have to figure it out, right? Then sometimes people will respond positively. Sometimes people won't respond positively. And we need to be able to deal with that, deal with accepting and dealing with rejection. All of these things are part of being a musician and they're also part of being an entrepreneur. So I love really helping musicians tap into the similarities uh, and understand that you have already a lot of the things that makes musicians, makes entrepreneurs successful, your willingness to adapt, your willingness to, to, to respond in real time to un- unprecedented circumstances, your willingness to create, to be constantly looking for new ways of doing things, right? Your willingness to not settle, to be always challenging yourself, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. The moment you learn a new piece, guess what? Now you have to learn another one. Start all over again, embracing a beginner's mindset. All of those skills are the ones that make successful entrepreneurs. That is fabulous. That is so true. Thank you. Because <laughs> I'm sure anyone who's listening or watching right now, so you have to learn and having that open mind to learning. I always say every day is a school day, right? So we have to learn new things every day and not be afraid of it. And um, I know somebody who fights technology, like she just <laughs> hates it, hates it. Like I gave her something as a gift once and I'm like, oh, so did you use it? And she's like, oh, I haven't even opened the box, you know? And I'm just <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> never give her a techno- technology again. But uh, a lot of people I think are afraid to learn because they think they're going to fail, but we have to fail forward. We have to fail to learn. It's like, if we never fell when we started to walk, we wouldn't know like, oh, we got to get back up and keep going. Right? I think the baby doesn't say, oh, well, I fell. So that's it. I'm never going to get up again. No, he gets up again and again and again until he gets it right. Absolutely. So that's really key because so many people are afraid of stepping out into something new or something different because they are afraid of failing. Forget looking at failure as a, as a bad thing. Look at it as a good thing so that you don't stop yourself or if the fear kicks in that, you know, somebody's going to say something or someone's going to, you know, go poo poo on whatever it is you're thinking about doing. Only tell those dreams to your cheerleaders and not to just anyone because they can squash it real fast, especially if you're just, you know, you respect what they have to say. And you, you know, I know everybody loves the person that they're trying to help, but that they're afraid of when you say big dreams to someone can really squash them. And and so I always say, protect it, just do it on your own. If, if people are out there who are wanting to try stuff and they're afraid to do something, don't tell anybody about it. Just start a little at a time, baby steps, you know, everything in little micro steps, because, um, the road is long, you know, and it starts, the journey begins with your first step. So I always say, just take it slow and don't expect the big things to happen overnight, because I think that's another myth that people think, you know, oh, if I build it, they will come. And it's not, it's not the case. Sometimes it just takes, like you say, positioning yourself, finding the right places to find your tribe that they will come and grow with you. So thank you for all of your wisdom. It's just been so wonderful. And I'd love to know more. So maybe we can have you come back again. Uh, in the near future. It's been a pleasure being here. Absolutely. Thank you. So how can they learn about your program and stay in touch? Yeah. So I have a special gift for your, for your, uh, you know, community here that I'd love to share. You know, one of the biggest challenges when musicians are looking into packaging their skills effectively and building some sort of an online brand, online program is knowing where to start, knowing what are the steps. So I've actually created a free training 
that it's called package your skills into a profitable online music offer. And it walks you through the 10 steps that you need to build your online brand, to build your online music business. And you can actually put it on a single sheet of paper. It's a musician's business canvas. So I really love sharing this training because it gives musicians a walkthrough of how to do this, how to get going with this process of building this. It's easier said than done. So I'm giving you the done, <laughs> the done training. How do you get get it done. You can check it out at fabianaclore.com forward slash gift. You'll probably put the link in the show notes. My last name is C-L-A-U-R-E. So that's the spelling fabianaclore.com forward slash gift. And I recommend that anyone who's listening, who's curious about how to build your own musician's profit umbrella, what are the steps? That's a free training that'll show you how to get started in that process. I also have a free Facebook group where I show up every week and do live trainings. Uh, it's called Musicians Creating Prosperity. I have a wonderful community there of musicians who are committed to stepping into a new way of embracing their professional opportunities in their careers. So that's also a, a great, a great free community. And of course, my signature program is called the Musicians Profit Umbrella, uh, where, which you can learn more about by visiting musiciansprofitumbrella.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for your generosity. I really appreciate that. And I hope you guys out there will pick up a copy because, you know, there's nothing like getting started now. Don't wait. You know, I remember just waiting to, when I had the idea to do my podcast. I was researching and researching and this. It took me two years before I pressed the freaking button to say, go ahead, launch it live. You know, and I'm like, why did I waste all that time? You know, start now, start now, start now. It's never too late Absolutely. again. Thank love you. it. Love it. Thank You're you. welcome. Oh, Fabiana. I hope to see you again here soon. And I wish you the best with your adventures and Thank you again for being here. Really thank you for having it. me. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So thank you again for stopping by. I hope you got some great information this evening from Fabiana, because I know I did. And I think every day that we think about those things that you want to do, keep them in front of you, put them on your list. I love to have that running list of things to do every day, because you know what? If you don't have it in front of you, it may not be happening. You may forget about it. So, and the other thing is if you don't write these things down, please start writing stuff down. I mean, I can't begin to show you the amount of journals that I've had from over the decades of figuring out all the different things I wanted to get done. And it's so important to write them down because it does a couple of things. It helps you remember what it is that you want to do, but it also helps your subconscious mind recall the things that you want to do and let the universe and God and the higher powers or whoever you call it, let them know that this is something that you really want. So, you know, the law of attraction does exist, whether you believe in it or not. And the more you practice it, the, the more you'll see that it really does exist and you can actually live the life of your dreams. Now, don't forget to stop at our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash little drummer girl. That's L-I-L drummer girl or visit the vlog at L-I-L drummergirl.com and catch some more live interviews. And remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams and leave a trailblazing behind you. So rock on and rock out and I'll catch you on the flip side.